Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm really excited for this episode. I feel like it's a long time coming, right? Oh, good. <laughs> Our group has, a, I mean, like, probably the majority of questions we get are parenting-based, marriage-based, or huge. We get a lot of anonymous posts for anything from, like, my husband and I can't agree on a name for our baby to, you know, my in-laws are in the way to infertility, you know, big things, small things, everything in between. And I feel like it definitely dominates the group. Don't you think, Crystal? Oh my gosh. Yes. And then I'm really excited because we just got you guys a legit marriage counselor (laughs) on to talk with us tonight. She's a licensed professional counselor, uh, Mandy Hicks on with us tonight. She's going to be answering all our questions. Yeah, definitely. Mandy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into this? Oh, yes, I can. Um, well, let's see. I, I used to be a medical technologist, got my degree in actually biology and dance, taught dance for 20 years, got married back in 2004, got divorced in 2005, which led me to, I went to counseling after that, which led me, oh, I think I, I, think I want to change. I think this would be something I'd be interested in. Went to school, so I had, you had to get a, your master's in counseling. Um, in order to do that. And then after that, you've got your years of in order to get licensed, there's all this other other stuff you have to do. And then I got married again. And he had a son. So that led me to like couples counseling, blended family counseling, just because I, I kind of saw from the outside kind of what was involved. So yeah, that's me. I have a 17 year old stepson now. He was four or five when I met him and a six-year-old son. And we're, you know, doing life. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk about, before we talk about the problems and the wrench that can get thrown into typical family life, like you and I had talked before and kind of the root of your practice is keeping a marriage strong. Mm -hmm. Um, And how does that look? Like, how do you make an effort Or how do you teach others to make an effort to put their marriage first and, and keep that as a strong foundation? Well, I mean, the first thing is you really do have to take a look and ask what, you know, ask yourself what your priority is. People, people don't like this part, but, and you look, you look at marriage counseling and you look at your families and it does have to, it does have to do your marriage. It has to go your marriage, your kids, you know, they are, they don't, they're not above your marriage, your marriage. If your if your marriage fails, then all that fails too. Then all that breaks apart. Okay. So you have to ask yourself, first of all, one question I ask all the time is, well, what's your priority? What are you putting your energy into? You know, and then. I bet everyone would say their kids. Agreed. Totally. totally. Mm-hmm. They definitely wouldn't say themselves and they for sure wouldn't 
I mean, yeah. I get this question all the time. And I guess what I want to know is, do you feel like people use marriage counseling and therapy as a last ditch resort to save something rather than like a preventative proactive kind of action? And do you feel like that's what the main issue is? A lot of times I've only had, I can probably count on one hand couples that have come in for maintenance. You know what I mean? Like just preventative stuff. Like we recognize that we're kind of off. So before we're going on this huge downhill slope, we wanted to come in and just kind of reboot. Yeah. Oh, now that reminds me. So my husband and I, I've been married for 16 years ish. And we, I, the first 10 years were, was like wedded bliss. I mean, it really was. It's just like, this is great. You know, I could spend the rest of my life with this guy and just, it was fa- fantastic. And I wanted to be with him all the time. And then, you know, you start having kids and you work and kids and you just kind of get away from that. And then, and so it was probably about the 10 year mark. I was like, it just, it got kind of hard or not even hard. It just got like, it wasn't as easy, you know? And I was like, oh, this is what people mean by, you know, marriages work. Like you, you can't just not put any effort into it and expect it to be wonderful. So we actually went to marriage counseling just for maintenance and it was really wonderful. And oh, that's where I learned high, low horizon. Ellen, now that I'm thinking of it from our marriage counselor, we talked about that our last episode at the end of every day, we still do this. We all get together as a family and we talk about our high, our low, and our horizon for that day. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And we got so many good little tidbits from there. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It just kind of make, helps you reconnect. Yeah. Okay. It does. So what would you say are some warning signs that people should not ignore or maybe try to identify when they do show up rather than like push them under the rug and say, oh, you know, that's normal for everyone, where you would say maybe now's the time we start to, you know, address this and go to counseling. To me, it's when you notice that 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 same cycle happening over and over and over again in regards to a certain conflict, or if you notice yourself, well, I'm not even going to bring that up because I know exactly where that's going to go, you know? And so then you get stuck in that same cycle. And in reality, it's just like your communication styles are different. So you're trying to voice your needs that he's trying to voice his needs and you're in that same cycle and you're not getting anywhere. And to me, when that starts happening over and over and over again, unfortunately what happens is that resentment starts to build, you know, at first it's nothing. Oh, we just got in a fight, but then we start having that same one over and over and over. And the next thing you know, your resentment's all the way up here. And then one little thing and it's, you know, world war three. What would you say the biggest teaching point you have for your couples like like communication or do you give them practical like tips on how to communicate yeah I here's a super easy one that I I mean everybody should know this like um have you heard of HALT did you hear about that when you went to marriage okay so HALT stands for hungry angry lonely or tired so if you're if you ever need to talk to your spouse about something important you know and you're feeling things it's not the time to engage. <laughs> you know, I know for like myself, if I'm, if I'm tired, I'm like a hot mess with my kids, with my husband, with everybody or hungry. Hungry is a big one. Hungry is huge. Like hangry. Yeah. Hangry. Yes. Right. We all get that way. Yeah. And so you you're not, go ahead. no big decisions when you're hangry. Definitely. Yeah. Not. 
so all of those things I think you have to add and them too. You know, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, maybe we don't do this now, you know, but you also have to promise one another, this is an important subject matter. We have to come back to this at a later date. So then you're building that security that my partner is going to be there when I need them about this, you know, important subject matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest things we have come up, uh, two things. So we have a large population that deals with infidelity and Mm -hmm. the jury is always out on do you try to fix it and stay together for the kids or do you split up for the kids because it's a better situation if they see two happy households rather than one angry household. Mm -hmm. And the other situation we frequently have an issue with is uh, someone married to a narcissist with severe gaslighting going on. And Mm -hmm. like, we see a lot of that. Oh my God. That's me too. Prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's like our personality types, our jobs, like what drags us into it. But those are the two biggest things that come up, I would say. So I would love to touch on that today, as well as some co-parenting, like you said, being step-parents, because it's always tough when you're raising, like you feel like you're raising somebody else's kid and they're with you half the time. And when they're with you, the rules are one way. When they're somewhere else, the rules are another way. Those are the biggest three challenges I'd say that I see come up in the group a lot. So maybe we could touch on those tonight. Yeah, sure. So let's start with the infidelity one first. Is that okay? Yeah. I think as far as infidelity, it's really case by case. You know, it is, it's marriage by marriage. Gosh, I mean, honestly, how, how long was the affair? What was going on? Why did it happen? I see, I see a few, I mean, I see a few couples with infidelity stuff, but I do want to point out as long, and if the infidelity, if the marriage that uh, has experienced some infidelity, it's usually, I mean, we have to do an honest inventory and say, what was my part in that? Why did my parent, why did my partner step outside outside of the marriage, as long as there's no narcissism or any of that, of that going on. Okay. Side note. That has to be hard to bring that up to someone. Like, I can't even imagine, like, what was your part in this? You know, I mean, oh, yeah. how, how does that go over? Yeah. Well, to me, like as, as a counselor, you, you really have to build that relationship first, yeah. you know, and I, and I always tell both of them, I'm not, if I'm looking at husband and wife, I'm not your counselor. I'm not your counselor. I'm here for your relationship. That's what's most important to me. You know, it's like the separate entity in the room. And so I have to do my job and say, is there anything you, you know, you felt like you could have done better at in the marriage? You know, granted, you, you did the right thing by not stepping out. You know, that's, that's a whole different issue. But we have to look like why somebody stepped outside of the marriage in the first place. Yeah, Yeah. I I feel like I say that a lot to people is like, typically, I mean, aside from like the narcissism and stuff and, you know, addiction and all of that, typically people don't just step out for like the physical affair. Typically, like emotional needs were not met first. Exactly. Physical seems like it was just like a side effect of it and kind of like what happened later but someone else was paying attention or listening or giving them what they needed that you didn't for a while. And maybe you didn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like nobody just like sleeps around just to sleep around one time. That doesn't make sense. No, exactly. And now granted the person who stepped outside, it is their job to um, communicate 
that to their to their significant other like i'm missing this and i and i truly you know i truly need this we have to meet in the middle somewhere you know um so so they do have a um an obligation to tell their spouse what they're missing yeah totally but yeah it's usually never about the physical stuff you know, it's, it's about that emotional attachment and feeling heard and feeling loved and feeling secure and feeling supported and all of those things that a marriage strives for. Do you think it's possible to move on after an affair? And if so, what are the key things to work on to ensure that? I have to be honest. I think there's a spiritual component there. If you're going to move on after, after an affair, to me, I don't think you can do it without a higher power. You know, because you have, you have to, it's something outside of yourself, you know, but yes, I do think healing is possible. I think steps, even tangible things like in the very, very beginning after infidelity, you're talking about, we're, we're not talking about how do I rebuild trust and how do I learn to love you? It's like, I need tangible stuff. I need to know that I can ask to see your phone and I can look at it. You know, I, I, and, and I'm willing to give that to you. You can call me at any time and I'll answer the phone. I'll show you where I'm at. You know, and the person, it may feel controlling, but that's what's needed, I think, in the very, very beginning, just to show, one, if I stepped outside of the marriage, I want my marriage to work, so I'm willing to do anything and everything right now. So if you want all my passwords to everything, you can have those. If you want me to show you where I'm at, I'll do that. You know? Um, yeah. I think that's the very, very beginning. Then you got to dive into all the hard stuff as to why did, why did I step out in the first place? What was I missing? And all those, the healing to me takes two individuals doing their own internal work. Okay. You know what I mean? And that, that makes that, sense. Yeah, that, that takes a lot. And so it's, it's almost finding out, okay, what's going on with me and now how can I you both grow individuals grow all the time now how do and we change all the time so we have to learn we have to grow together yeah. you know does Definitely. that does that answer does yeah that answer? I, I think i agree with you there has to be a higher power because i don't think i have it within me to just put something like that aside and forget it or for, you know forgive oh. enough to be able to move on i feel like right you definitely have to have faith that there's something outside of you that will give you the strength and courage to do that because like mentally, emotionally, you know, logically, I don't know if I'd be able to just be like, okay, let's move on. Yeah. You know, same. Me neither. <laughs> there's gotta be something, there's gotta be something bigger. Well, Lacey mentioned when we talked about what we wanted to talk to you about, she mentioned the three tiers. There's, it should be God marriage and then your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course everyone wants to put their kids first, but how, how do you put your marriage first? Like say there's an evening and you're doing what you have to do for your kids the next day and cooking dinner and just like all the things meeting. Yeah. Meeting everyone's needs. Like how, how do you even squeeze in or carve out time for your marriage in an Um. everyday night? In everyday life, it's hard, right? We're all we're so busy all the time. Um, I think it has to be deliberate. I think you have to sit down with one another and say. And I, I know people that um, we you can you can pick any day that you want. You know, sit down with them for fifteen minutes and plan your week out. When are we going to spend time together this week? Mm-hmm. We've got this going on with this kid. This going on with this kid. I've got work this day. You know, when can we carve out time during the week for us? And it could be something as simple as let's have coffee in the morning before 
know, before everybody gets going or a glass of wine at night before we, before we go to bed or something. And it doesn't have to be every night. It doesn't even have to be every week. I know some people that they just sit down and play, they play a game every two weeks, just the two of them or do a puzzle or read a book together and talk about that. You know, so I think it has to be, it has to be deliberate. You actually have to make a point to carve out that time. Yeah. I think what's important is really just taking the time to like notice your partner too, because men I feel like are in general more likely to keep things inside or just like go with them because they don't want to anger you or make you more stressed because they see you have so many things on your plate. But I can say like Mike and I have started to literally every day when we, when I make dinner or sometimes he'll help out or just hang out with me in the kitchen. We like force the kids outside to play in the backyard because it it gives us time while we're making dinner just to like talk, like, how was your day? You know, catch up. Like, what are you thinking? We have a lot going on. How are you feeling? Because otherwise, if the kids are inside the house running around us, you can't even get a word in. You're like, what, what? And then just so distracted. And and we also have really made an effort, like aside from COVID, to leave the house together without mm-hmm. the kids like once a week. Because if we don't do that, I mean, it's like impossible to find time to talk to each other. Yeah. Without- and you just have to reconnect. Yeah. And you just need adult time. I feel like you just need to talk about things without involving your kids or talking mm-hmm. about your kids. We have a strict mm-hmm. rule. Like we're not going to talk about the kids. It's a great rule to implement. Anything else. Cause I feel like we existed before them and one day they'll be gone out of the house and we'll have yeah. to. Again. And the biggest thing you hear is people wake up one day and they're like, who am I living with? That's exactly right. I don't even know my spouse anymore. Like, who is that person yeah. in my house? Mm-hmm. You know? So I don't know if that's, a good way to carve out time, but it's like, oh, I think it's a great way, whatever. And it's going to be different for everybody, right? Whatever works for them. Yeah. Especially if like we have different bedtimes and different rising times. Mm-hmm. So we can't use those times. So for us, it has to be like kind of in the middle of the madness, but se- like almost separate ourselves, compartmentalize ourselves out of it. And like, I've locked my kids out in the backyard before. <laughs> that's awful to say, but they're, oh, that's the I love, no, I love it because it's like, that's important time for you guys. Yeah. I'm like, you're fine. It's not raining outside. It's nice out. Play with your brother. I can see you. You're safe. Mm-hmm. You know, leave me alone. I love it. My husband and I don't get out very much. Like I think we've gone to dinner maybe three times since like quarantine happened. And so that's like six months, like three times, not very often, but we went out to dinner on Saturday. And when I told my daughter, we were going to dinner, she's like, you guys go to dinner all the time. Like, why do you always have to go to dinner? And I was like, well, mommy and daddies need to go out too. Like you want us to be married and happy forever. Don't you? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, then we need to go to dinner. Like you'll be fine. You will be fine. And it's good for her to see that you guys are putting, you know, spending time just with one another. Yeah. It's a healthy relationship. It's good. Like kids learn by seeing, I feel like. So anything you show them is kind of like what they learn to be a normal relationship, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's something we talk about all the time is like, especially as adults, well, what do you envision a healthy marriage to look like? And they have no idea as an adult, they have no role model to what a healthy marriage is. Yeah. Nor a healthy relationship. What about kids in homes that they spend half the time with, you know, one parent and then half the time in another home and rules are different here and rules are different there. And, you know, we have like somebody like you who comes into the picture and your stepson is not your son, quote unquote, but Mm -hmm. you're expected to parent and raise him. How, what can you tell us about that? Okay. So I could probably go on and on about this subject. (laughs) It all comes down to 
the biological parents. Well, one, I'll say the most important thing is the relationship with them. Okay. As, and even, and I mean, ideally in a perfect world, you're going to have the same rules at each house, but how often does that happen? You know? So it's okay to have rules at mom's house and rules at dad's house. As long as, I mean, again, as long as the kid is safe. Right. So, and the, and both parents just has to accept that and be okay with that. You know, if bedtime's at 10 o'clock over here, bedtime's at eight o'clock over here, I don't like it, but it is what it is. And it's out of my control. Okay. And the child eventually will learn this. It's going to be one way at mom's house and one way at dad's house. I mean, ideally I would want more to be, to be more similar, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. So what would you say to the parent who is the biological parent feeling, you know, maybe there's another parent in the in the picture now a step parent and what would you say to keep them from feeling you know replaced or undermined or something like that okay so i would first of all when it comes to i would want i'm coming from a counselor as if i'm sitting there talking to i'm going to say dad a biological dad and stepmom Okay. I would look at stepmom and say, you know, well, you, you have a role, you have a role and it's not mom. It's not disciplinarian. You, a step parent's role is to love, to love and build relationship with, it's not to discipline. It's not to do the parenting that he child has two parents for that already. And I think a lot of step parents fall for multiple reasons, kind of fall into the caretaking role when they shouldn't. That's a really good point. Yeah. Unless I guess the other two are not parenting or disciplining, then I guess you'd have to, right? Say that again, Ellen. I said, unless like the biological parents are not disciplining, then I assume like for the child's safety, the step parent would. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And that, to me, that's a whole different issue. Yeah. 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 And then how, what would you say to a, a child who feels caught mm. in the middle? Yeah. I would, I, I would say nobody's going to replace, oh, this, this, this speaks loudly to me because a child has to be allowed to love mom and dad, you know, ultimately they have to be allowed to show love to mom in front of dad, show love to dad in front of mom. You know, he ha- they have to be allowed to, to love everybody. They even have to be allowed to develop a relationship and a different kind of love with their step parents. Gonna, it's going to look different, you know, and I would hope, I mean, to a child, I would say you can absolutely love mom and dad. You can even like your step parents, eventually love your step parents, but step parents are never going to replace mom and dad. And to me, this is a, this is a more of a conversation for the adults in that kid's life. You know, we do like a co, we do a co-parenting class here. And it's like, if, if mom is picking up if mom is picking up son from dad's house, okay, that son has to be able to give dad a kiss and a hug and say in front of mom and say, I'm, I love you so much. I'm going to miss you. And that has to be okay with mom and vice versa. Yeah. I feel like that's what I would want if I ever was in that situation. Like I wouldn't want my, I would want my kid to love their parent. As long as they're safe there, like you said, yeah. I want them to like love their parent and be excited to go back there again. And, you know, sure it sucks because they leave you, but 
I feel like it makes it easier knowing that they're going somewhere they're where they want to be and they're safe and they're happy and well cared for and like loved, you know, doesn't every parent want that? No. I mean, they say they do, but their yeah. actions prove differently. Yeah. I think people's just their disdain for their ex takes, takes over. over for, uh, yeah, everything else. They can't see clearly. Yeah. yeah and it's so sad even, go ahead. the kids' lives, you know, they don't realize they're not ruining their ex's life. They're ruining their kid's life. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's like, you have to like, put your own emotions aside for your children. Yeah. So the second thing that we were um, saying was a big thing that comes up and actually this has to do with the narcissism is a lot of the, you know, victims, let's say of narcissistic spouses frequently feel like their kids are used against them. And like when their kids are with the narcissistic partner, they are told certain things or manipulated and they fear that they're going to like hate them forever. We had a, this come up recently where the mom was like, I don't know what to do because I know he's like saying things to them. I don't know, you know, what to do or how to tell them otherwise. I don't want to make them hate him, but at the same time he's manipulating their minds against me. And so like, what do you do in that situation? Well, I would say, you know, narcissism is another, it's just a whole nother ball of wax. You know, it's a whole nother thing that, and, and, and that woman's thinking she's right. She doesn't want to talk bad about him because that's just even going to make it worse, you know? And I, this, this is really sad to say, but you, again, you lead by example, you love well, you know, part of that is again, out of her control, you know, and that's a scary place to be. I have a lot of moms that I see that 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 is dad and it's scary going he's over there and now kid doesn't want to come back to me Hmm. you know because of everything that he's saying about me but again all she can do is know what she can do you know I I, she knows the right steps that have to be taken as far as don't talk bad about dad you know just do what I'm supposed to do love my child well take them over there when I'm supposed to all, all of those things. I hope and pray that eventually kids sees the truth, you know, what would, would you recommend that the kid gets placed with their own therapist? If dad would allow that. (laughs) But but that would help, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, anytime there's a divorce, whether there's narcissism or not going on, that's recommended. Yeah. What are the signs of narcissism in a partner that someone should look out for before it gets to the, you know, craziness? Control, I think. Uh, There's a, sometimes, honestly, it's that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach that something's not right. A lot of times, I think you have to reality check with people. You know what it feels like to be gaslighted. Do you guys know or you've heard about it? I've heard about it. I don't know that I know what it feels like. Okay. I've seen it in, in friends of mine relationships. So I've like, I see what it is, but I don't know what it feels like. Like in front of you, they did it. Oh yeah. I have friends in horrible situations. See, I don't even think I've, like, I've heard of it. I've heard stories. I've never been present to witness it. I don't think, I mean, I don't. So like I tell people, you know, trust your instinct pretty much. You know, if you're, let's use hanging out with friends as an example. Okay. Um, and I tell, and we're going to pretend my husband's a narcissist. Okay. And I tell him, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriends tonight. 
Okay. And there's, well, why, why do you need to do that? You know, or there's more questioning about it, or maybe they say, Oh, sure. Great. That's fantastic. You go have a great time. Okay. But then when you get back, there's this, there, there's this underlying energy that they're mad at you. They're ignoring you, things like that. The thing about narcissists, it's, it's just very covert. You know, it's not out, it's not necessarily all out in the open. It's a feeling I'm picking up on. It's how he makes me feel about myself. I'm, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. Maybe I am doing the wrong thing. And, and that's why I say you have to reality check with people like outside of your marriage. Is this normal? Should I be feeling like this? I should be allowed to go out with my girlfriends, right? Yeah. But those same people, when they ask you those questions and you give them a reality check, they're like, oh, and do nothing about it and stay in the same horrible situation over and over and over and over. It's really hard. And I think a lot of narcissists, they do. And again, I'm not an expert on narcissism or anything. It's a slow process that takes happen. It's like they slowly take parts of you away. Mm-hmm. So you don't even know who you are anymore. And I've seen, gosh, I've seen narcissists and wife. Okay. I mean, women can be narcissists too. If they're just more prevalent in males um, to where the woman looks just as, just as mentally sick as the narcissist. Then they get away from him. They get out of that relationship and they just bloom into their, into who they're meant to be. That's so sad. I know it's like dimming, like such a bright light. It is. But I mean, if they can, if they can get out of something like that, it's really a awesome process to see that journey that they take. Mm -hmm. If they allow themselves to, if they know that they're worth it, if they know they're worth more than that. Yeah. I feel like one big thing that people struggle with in marriage period, I mean, probably with narcissists in general, and definitely with kids, I, I heard this once and it makes so much sense to me. If you don't set boundaries with what whoever, All of them, you're going to resent that person. So like if you don't set boundaries with your kids with, you know, this is mommy and daddy time, you're going to resent your kids eventually. Or if you don't set boundaries with your husband, like, you know, this is what I expect. This is how, you know, I want to be treated, yada, yada. This is what I want out of our marriage you're going to resent them when they cross that, those boundaries, but you didn't establish. You don't want them. to know what they were. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing I've seen this with recently is like new moms and their expectations from their partner mm-hmm. in parenting and like this new role that they've maybe never verbalized to them. Therefore their partner's not living up to it. And they start to resent them because they're mm-hmm. like, I'm doing everything, you know? So how would you recommend somebody deals with that? Is that something you need to talk about? Cause you can't really talk about it before you have your first kid. You don't really know, you know, how does that conversation look? Open and honest. And I, you can talk about how your parenting styles and discipline beforehand, right? You can talk about kind of your, your take on all that and how you want to discipline and how you envision parenting, But I think when it comes down to it, like the nitty gritty stuff of what parenting takes. And if you feel like you're doing all the work that takes an honest and honest conversation and it's tangible stuff, I just need you to put the laundry away. Do you think you can, you got time to do that? You know, um, I need you to take so-and-so to soccer practice Mondays and Tuesdays and I'll do Wednesdays, Thursdays or something. You know, it's all 
tangible things that can actually be put in put in place if you are able to have have that conversation and communicate in a way that's productive. Crystal, do you feel like you and your husband split things evenly or and have you ever? Have you always? I mean, so when we had my daughter, I think and it's natural for the mom to take over most of the roles with parenting. You know, especially if you're breastfeeding, you just kind of have to do a lot of it. Uh, but then when I went back to work, it didn't quite shift as as I had hoped. You know what I mean? And after a while, we had to have it come to Jesus. I'm like, look, this <laughs> this isn't working out for me. This isn't going to look good for you. You know, we need to figure something out. And he was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, like he was ready to help. He just didn't know yeah. what what I would allow him to do and what he could do. So um, once we like everyone got their their chore, quote unquote, down, like what their responsibilities were, it was pretty easy sailing, but we did have to have like a talk about it because yeah. I mean, you, you can't do it all. And then some people prefer to do some things and some people prefer to do others. Like others. I couldn't, when I would get up in the middle of the night with her, like when she was still getting up twice a night, the second, wait, the first time, if I got up, I couldn't get up again. Like I wouldn't go back to sleep. So I'm like, if you get her, if she wakes up from 10 to two and I'll get her from 10 to two to four, you know, cause at that point, if I got up, I would just stay up, but you know, like find out whatever works for you. And, and that worked out really well for us. Oh, and I made him clean all the pump parts. Cause I'm like, if I'm pumping and doing all this work, you can at least clean these pump parts for me. <laughs> well, now you just can refrigerate them. Can you imagine if he knew that back then he would have totally taken the easy job. Yeah, yeah, he would have. What about you, Ellen? I am definitely very lucky because my husband, like, does a lot. He's a very hands-on dad. I think guys have a tougher time bonding with kids until they're of a certain age Mm -hmm. because, like, we bond with them for 10 months while we carry them, and then you birth them, and then you bond when you nurse, and, you know, it's just like a motherly instinct, typically, if you don't go through, you know, postpartum and stuff. Men, I feel like, don't bond until the kid starts to, like, do things because they want, like, to do things with the baby. They're yeah. like, I don't know why they're crying or what to do. This is not what I imagined. So I, I, feel, like, it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it took him longer to get into that role initially. But now, like, once the kids are toddlers, he's, like, full-blown hands-on dad. He's such a – I don't want to say a better parent than me because nobody's better, but different – like he does fun things with them. He teaches them in a way I would never think. He's a lot more patient. So there's that. But I will say, I think guys are just wired differently. Like I can walk into a room and see 15 things that need to get done. Mm -hmm. And you know, that halt that you talked about is so on point because if I'm hungry, tired, any of those things, I'm going to be like, why is nothing done? (laughs) And Mike will be like, what do you mean? What? Be done. There to do? <laughs> and I'm like, how do you not see these 15 things that need to get done? And then we get into an argument and I realize it's because I'm hungry or tired. Cause typically I would be like, you know, if you, and I said this to another mom recently, she wrote this post about like, why is he not doing all the things? And I said, guys are not wired how we are. Like mm-hmm. they are problem solvers, but they don't anticipate the problem as well. And mm-hmm. they're not multitaskers. So if you write them a list and say like, mm-hmm. I need these things done today, they're very good at doing that. But if you expect them to walk into a room and see that the ceiling fan needs to be dusted, I mean, you're going to be a bag of bones. And you'll be disappointed. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. And you're going to be disappointed and you didn't set the boundary. Therefore, you're going to resent him. But it's not his fault. You never 
verbalized it, you know, which is something I learned like with time and with having kids and with age and with being married. But I will say, I think he's an excellent dad. He's a great partner, but men are just different creatures. Can I jump in for a second? And I think you made like a great point because we do have to offer our spouses grace, you know, and you know, they're only human. And what can I, what, what am I expecting of them? You know what I mean? Like we have to recognize that they're an individual. I'm an individual. We are wired differently. We do things differently, you know, so that that resentment does not build up. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So let me see. What were some of the questions that Lacey had wanted to ask? I want to make sure we get her point across. I brought up the God, marriage, and kids. Good. I want to make sure. sure we include her, even though she's not able to be here today. We get a lot of questions about arguments with finances. Mm. I know that that's probably one of the biggest stressors in a marriage in general, as they say, like most marriages fail because of finances. That's where it starts. So what do you do when, when you have a couple that comes in and they're fighting and their main fight is finances, especially when like one person's breadwinner, you know, how do you handle that? Well, I think it does. You have to first do like a, have you guys ever, well, like a history of what your feelings are about finances, because we all came from different, we all have a different attachment to money. Mm -hmm. I'll say we have different emotions attached to money. We have different expectations attached to money. We all have this kind of like different relationships. So I think first you have to do a history of that with each individual. And to me, you have to, again, it goes back to, okay, what's good for the relationship? And husband may feel one way, wife may feel another way, but you have to find what's good for the relationship. You both can get your needs met. You know, you can, um, you just have to figure out what's best for the relationship. It might be giving up something over here or, or giving in a little bit more over here, but you can, you can find a place that works. Yeah. I just wanted to say two things. So this I think is pretty big too. What do you do when you hate your in-laws or they hate you? Boundaries. <laughs> boundary thing again. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you do that when your spouse loves them because it's their parents? Oh, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Um, ideally he's going to put, okay, we're going to just, ideally he'd say my, my wife is, my wife is more important. And again, ideally wife would say, okay, I'll figure out how I can integrate them into my life. You know what I mean? And I always do the circle thing. Can you guys see my hands? Like mm-hmm. here's your heart, you know, and you've got like concentric circles around it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Husband or what husband should be like right here closest to, he wants his in-laws right there also, but they can't be, you know, so where can I have them? Yeah. You know, how close can I let them and what are those boundaries going to be? And he has to respect those boundaries. And that may first take a conversation with the two of you. I can have them in my life, but it can't be like this. We have to talk about what it can look like. That sounds like a really hard conversation to have. Well, and it makes sense because, you know, if your husband, if he's got your back, then you're going to feel supported and you're going to want to, you're going to want to make it work. However, that looks for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and for your family. Yeah. But if if you're going to go ahead. No, I was going to say, if you feel attacked on all fronts, like I feel like people shut down, it's over. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, hopefully you would have the support of your, of your spouse in regards to that, in regards to his family. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and the problem with that is a lot of times those in-laws, they're the ones that don't have boundaries, you mm-hmm. know, and so it's husbands and wife's duty to implement what those boundaries are going to be. Yeah. And they can, they can like it or not. Yeah. And then this is, I think this is like my final, what would you do? But we, <laughs> we had an, a couple people say this. So with COVID going on, you know, it's very polarized at this point where people stand with it. Mm-hmm. What? is your recommendation if, you know, one partner feels that it's like an imminent threat to life to leave the house and the other partner feels like we need to reintegrate into society in safe ways, obviously, you know, socially distancing and do outside things and whatever, but basically we can't be isolated from humanity for the rest of time. And this becomes a massive point of contention that actually leads to like questioning the marriage. Um, do you know somebody that that's, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's that actual problem or do you think this is coming from a different issue they've had that maybe they pushed under the rug or. I mean, I would hope COVID wouldn't end anything, but chances are to me, it, it's coming from somewhere else. To me, it's got, we can't even come, come to come together there. You know what I mean? How can we, again, how can we both feel safe? How can we both get our needs met? How can I feel safe with you going outside of the house? So it's again, recognizing they're an individual. They have their own, their own needs, their own way of doing something as long as he's respectful of what mine are going to be. So again, how can we meet in the middle? How can you still be an individual and love me? Well, how can I still be an individual and love you? Well, I, I, that's a tough, that is a tough one. I, a tough one. I almost feel like that's just like some untreated anxiety that's yeah. just, you know, like yeah. gone out of control. Underlying thing. Yeah. And yeah. like elements of control in there too. Something mm-hmm. odd that they're like using this as an excuse to. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine that this is the only thing they have been at completely opposite ends of the spectrum on. Right. It seems weird that everything's yeah. been perfect and all of a sudden like this happens. Yeah. I doubt that very much. Yeah. And you then. Know, but- how would you recommend somebody handles a spouse that has anxiety or depression, maybe like new onset, or maybe you've never noticed it that bad. And maybe specifically people who like are almost in denial or not, not interested in getting treatment at this time. Like what skills should we to support them, but also not enable them? Okay. So first I would say, learn what you can right? As the spouse that doesn't have it, learn what you can. If it's anxiety, learn what you can about anxiety. And there's all sorts of stuff out there, information out there about how to, how to help someone with anxiety. Again, it's also asking your partner, what do they need? And boundaries always come into play, but those also, those boundaries also have to be there for yourself. I will do this for them. I'm going to learn about what they're going through so that I can have some more empathy for them. I can put energy into making a doctor's appointment or doing this if they want me to, you know, if it's, if it doesn't cross into like codependency stuff, you know what I mean? So again, it's just finding that balance of how much am I going to give versus setting boundaries in place for myself. Yeah, that's tough. I can imagine that starts to weigh down the family. Yeah. Um, Because also, again, you don't want it to cross over into a codependency thing. Like, when you're taking care of something that they're very capable of doing themselves. Yeah. Especially cause we are fixed. Like women take care of everybody. Yeah. And it's got yeah. to be really 
difficult and like defeating when you can't fix it. Mm -hmm. They also have to want to take care of themselves too. I mean, that's a, that's a huge deal. Yeah. I love that you gave us the halt tool. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if you had like one more tool you could share with us. I do. Let me think. Halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Like what's a home, what's a homework you give like your clients, like go home and try this. Make a date night, make a, how are you going to spend time with each other? If we're reading a book, go read this, go read this chapter in this book, you know, stuff like that. Write out your schedule. There's so many people that don't talk about schedules, talk about honestly, the tangible everyday life stuff. Yeah. I like planning it because I'm a planner and if it's on the calendar, it's going to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know people even like plan out like intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. When you're Schedule it. crazy busy. It's mm-hmm. easy for weeks to go by and you're like, how long has it been? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially like women. And I feel like if you don't schedule it in, which sounds so lame, but like, you're just not going to do it then. And I feel like it's a really important bonding point. Like those hormones you release really do bond you. And then you yeah. love more. Otherwise, like you get stuck in this rut and you're like, I don't even care. You know, yeah. um, they say it's even important, like with the bonding thing, just sit next to one, one another and touch so that oxytocin that, that that's getting released. You know, even something as simple as skin to skin, just watching TV or something can, can add to that. Yeah. It would never last very long. <laughs> so make sure you, you hold your husband skin to skin on your chest tonight. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like a baby. Can you imagine that'd be hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> He'd probably love it. He would Should, love it. Yeah. yeah on the other side, you were like, let's do it. He's like, let's. Yeah. My husband. Yeah. That's what I said. He would not get very far or that he would not let me get very far. <laughs> no, it wouldn't work too well. Mm-mm. Do you guys okay. know one thing I always, I ask people to like recognize their love language. Do you guys know that stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We just talked about that. When was that? We were was on, it last time? I, I don't know. It was on a recent episode. Yeah. We just recently talked about that. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's scratching the surface, but it's something, you know, mm-hmm. it's something to add to your, add to your relationship. Yeah, Definitely. Well, I'm going to start wrapping up now because we're coming up on an hour. Mandy, thank you so much for chatting with us. We Yay, really appreciate all your wisdom and your insights. And for our listeners, you can follow us on social on Facebook at Scrub Cups and Sippy Cups. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey Smart Mamas. You can follow me, Crystal, on Instagram at CM Albert. And Ellen is Ellen Maletta. Yep. And what about Mandy? Mandy Hicks Counseling on Facebook. There you go. Mm-hmm. Leave us a review, share, recommend to your friends. Head over to iTunes and leave us a review five stars and please leave us a comment. It really helps us move up in the ranks. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. week.